On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. It's Tall Can Audio. We're not here to take part. We're here to take over. Nice to be back in the garden, eh? Welcome to Tall Can Audio. I am Michaela. He is Matt. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio, Facebook.com slash Tall Can Audio. And as always, you can find me at, on Twitter at Shrides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S. Matt, how are you? Hello, I'm uh, I'm doing Hello. all right today. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, things are good. How about on your end? Oh, you know, day one of getting up at 4 a.m. to watch Ugh. women's soccer in yes. the Olympics. So we're off to a good start. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm doing good. You know what? I got to say, like, I'm a little tired, but I just love morning sports. Having, like, being up a little bit before the sun rises, having a coffee, watching soccer. Oh, it was just heaven. I, I'm i going to regret this, and there's going to be a, f- a few days where I'm going to not think this way. But good Lord, I'm so grateful to heaven. be ha- having wi- uh, morning sports. Yeah, heaven. We have heaven. very different visions of what heaven may look like at yes. some point. Um, I can remember, and you know, what was it, three years ago now, I guess, um, the PyeongChang Olympics. And... There was some stuff that that would hold me till the middle of the night. I remember the final skate there for uh, for Moyer and Virtue. I stayed up for that. Um, there was a couple things that uh, that held me around, but I have a hard time with this. I'm very particular about my sleep, and we did just say kind of off air that between the two of us, we may have okay coverage of these Olympics. Between you being prepared, willing to get up. At four, if I'm willing to hang around for big events until maybe one or two, you know, there, there'll really only be a couple of dark hours there where one of us yeah. doesn't have eyes on it. But uh, if I'm being honest with you, um, I said on our last show there, and I, I should plug it here, episode 856, Team Canada's Amy Burke was on the show, and uh, we talked a little about this. My buzz has been killed a little on the Olympics, just based on the circumstances, and, and we've talked about it before, right, that whether or not this should be going on and whatever. Once it gets going, do I get roped in a little bit? Once everybody's waving the flag, it's possible. But right now, I just don't have that usual buzz, that usual juice for the Olympics where I'm I'm all in on, you know, diving and, you know, water polo and whatever. So there's a Canadian doing something I'll be watching. Just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not really there for me this time. That's fair. And I, I, I definitely thought the same up until a couple of days ago when I started getting really excited for <laughs> mainly women's soccer and sure. women's basketball. Yep. Um, but the, you know, the, I, I'm with you in that there's a lot of alarm bells going off in my head of like, should these games be happening? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, I do want to support the athletes yep. who are there the, the, the IOC is 
breaking news, a little corrupt. (laughs) Um, Just up there with FIFA in terms of the moral high ground you want to strive for. (laughs) Sure. Um, I don't want to take my anger for the IOC out on them. I realize that you can't really separate the two because in supporting the athletes, I'm inherently supporting the IOC. I get that. Mm -hmm. But I really want to support the athletes. And I don't get, you know, this might be Christine St. Clair's last Olympics. God, this is is Sue Bird's last Olympics. She's already said that. Um, I can't sacrifice watching those two players alone. I get, uh, yeah. And it's not even just the IOC for me. It's as much the... The number of times now they've voted, you know, in Japan, the the Japanese citizens being like, please don't come here. We don't want this right now. And it just feels weird to me, right? I don't like we shouldn't be doing this. So I we'll see what happens, right? Well, I, I there's been other sports things that have taken place through the pandemic where I'm like, I don't feel very good about this. And mm-hmm. yet somehow as it gets closer, you sort of get yourself roped into it or a little more excited. So we'll see. Um you're right, it has kicked off, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that, even though the opening ceremonies aren't for uh, for a day or two. But we did talk an awful lot about Olympic preparation and some of the news coming out of Tokyo and stuff uh, with Amy on episode 856. Would highly recommend you go back and check that one out. Right on. And yeah, we will, uh, we'll talk about that for sure. But first things first, Matt. Yep. What are you drinking today? So this is another one out of the uh, the small batch dispatch that uh, that you guys hooked me up with. This is actually from a brewery. Uh, in my hometown of Oshawa that I had oh. never heard of before. Um, so either it's new or I just haven't been paying attention because I haven't been in Oshawa very much lately. This is from the New Ritual Brewery um, in Oshawa. Schwalywood, shout out. Um, this is called the Don't Die Here Double IPA. It's an Imperial IPA, 8%. Uh, they say it's going to be piney. You know, whatever that means. So we'll see. I- I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, what about yourself? Don't die here. That's some pretty solid advice. On, it always is, right? Always. Is. <laughs> there we go. Uh, I am going with uh, something on the lighter side today. I'm going with a summer solstice pale ale from Calabogie Brewing Company. Oh, I like that one. Um, y'all know my affinity and love for IPAs. And this is a beautiful light IPA that also has a really good amount of flavor and not too high on the percentage. Uh, perfect summer beer, as the name implies. So that's what I'm going with today. I really like that beer. I've had it a few times. It's nice for, like you said, something yeah. light when you're just looking to kind of cruise. That's a good beer. It's solid. Now, Matt, we did a, a, a slight beer exchange mm-hmm. last week uh, yeah, when, when we were recorded in, in person. Yep. Yes. How fun that was. Got a lot um, of good feedback about that. People could tell the energy change. That I felt it for sure. I talked about it on Twitter afterwards. The the difference in the energy when you're actually recording is it you just it's hard to recreate online right and and you and I have been doing our best me and Rob have been doing our best everybody is when you have to do this online but when you get back in studio like that face to face with somebody it just flows better right and i think that carries through to the listener and and certainly based on some of the feedback i got that was uh, absolutely the case so that was cool absolutely yeah it's it's definitely more of a conversation and you can you can tell that when you're listening cuz we don't have to wait for like <laughs> each other to stop talking on like virtually we can tell when the other one is done talking yes. because we're sitting right there so we're not definitely valuing monologues it. right yeah it's essentially and, what those are. <laughs> and we're gonna make that happen again as often as we can um 
I live out in Almont. Most far. people know that. And <laughs> I, someone at work to, uh, a couple weeks ago was talking about how they came out to Almont for a road trip one day. And I was like, oh, my commute is a road trip. Yes, That's exactly. cool. <laughs> so that just gives you a sense of how far I am. And, and I'm going to try and time it so that, you know, I'm slowly starting to go back into the office on a more regular basis. So I'll try to time it so that I can go in on Wednesdays and then, you know, sure. record on the way home. It's, it's perfect. But yeah, uh, we'll do what we can. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're all just easing back into this. Yep. Um, we did a beer exchange mm-hmm. in that visit, and uh, you tried the Ridge Rock Black Coconut IPA or Coconut Black IPA. Yep. Can't remember exactly the order there, but uh, <laughs> I wanted to get your thoughts on that beer because it was, as I described it, a very matte beer. Yes. Um, you had told the story on the show that uh, that you and Josh had tried it on, a pat- uh, on I think, on Ridge Rock's patio. Um, on one of your first trips out, once that was allowed again and had suggested that it might be a matte beer to which I must respond, bravo on the nose. That is absolutely a matte beer. Um, still carrying that coconut flavor in hard, which was, which was good, but still maintained that kind of darker, um, you know, not stout because it is a black IPA, but it had that darker tinge to it. Um, that some of the other coconut beers don't have. So I really dug it, opened up the, uh, the crowler on Friday or Saturday. I can't remember now and, and had at her and it was, uh, it's just about perfect. So thank you very much for hooking me up with that. And, um, yeah, bravo kudos. You've got Matt pegged on, uh, on what Matt likes out of his beers. Perfect. I'm glad that I'm able to read people through their beer. <laughs> Uh, and we also, you, you were generous and gave me a couple of, uh, the tragically hip lager from big rock mm-hmm. brewing. Uh, and I, I got a chance to try it over the weekend. I understand you did the same. So I want to get your thoughts on that beer. Uh, that one I had on Tuesday during the uh, recording session with Amy that I referenced earlier. Um, she's a hip fan. She's been to a couple concerts with me and we just thought we were going to be talking so much Canada right about representing Canada and how much her identity is kind of tied up in that and, and representing Canada in this moment, we talked about the, the flag bearers for the Olympics and stuff like that. Um, it seemed like we should have something identifiably Canadian and what's more identifiably Canadian than the tragically hip. So, uh, we busted out a couple of those, as you said, it's called the Lake fever lager. And, um, it was, Exactly what I'd want on a hot summer date. Now, I, I will be honest to the, the good listener who sometimes has a slightly more refined palate when you listen to this show, right? We talk a lot of craft beer. It's pretty plain, right? Like, mm-hmm. did you find the same thing? Yeah, like I, I, you're right. It's, it's that perfect. It's, it comes in a small can. You crack a couple of them on the dock or yep. on the patio. Like if you're looking for a good, light, crisp beer, that's exactly what you're right. going to get. Um, and, and I'll be honest, I have a hard time speaking ill of any beer that someone gives me for free. Cause I'm like, <laughs> this was given to me as a gift. It was amazing. That's all you need to know. Um, but you're right. It was, it was definitely nothing. Like I've had some lagers and blonde ales in my life where I'm like, wow, that is fantastic. Sure. You know, I wasn't saying that about this one, but again, it serves its purpose. Yes. And if you're looking for something with a Canadiana theme, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't get much more Canadiana than this. Yeah, and if and if you listen to this show and you feel like some of the ones that we're talking about are a little too adventurous, this mm-hmm. won't be that, right? This is this is a lager. It's um, it's in that family of you know, it it just tastes like a beer. There's no crazy. Uh, ingredients or, or flavors that you wouldn't expect. There's no weird aftertaste or whatever. It's just a lager and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I got time for that in my rotation, um, planning to get to the lake in August and 
God, if I can, I'm going to hold on to a couple of these until then to take with me, but uh, they do sometimes disappear faster than I want them to. Um, but it, they are perfect for that kind of thing. Hanging out in the backyard, you just cut the grass or you're hanging out on your dock, whatever your situation might be uh, on a hot day, you this, this one wouldn't steer you wrong, but there's nothing particularly wild about it. Yes, exactly. That's, that's a pretty good way to describe it. Yeah. Um, so like we said, the Olympics are kind of slowly getting underway. Mm-hmm. We're going to, why don't we start with, with, uh, the, the events that we've seen so far, or at least the events that I watched yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that I got up <laughs> stupid early for. We is doing some heavy lifting there. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. You covered us, I think here. So, and, and this, like, this was kind this caught me by surprise. Cause I, I forgot that the group play for the women's soccer started before the opening ceremonies. Yeah. So last night, uh, on, Third Tuesday night, mm-hmm. um, today is Wednesday as we record this. I was just looking around at the schedules and I saw that Team USA played Sweden at four thirty the next day, and Canada played Japan at six a.m. And I was like, "Yeah, and women's what? soccer, yeah, women's soccer, yeah." Yep. And I was like, "Oh my god, I have to get up!" <laughs> so <laughs> set my alarm, got up at four o'clock, oh. watched uh, Sweden beat Team USA three nothing. Wow. By the way, and uh, Canada and Japan tied one one. Which that was a little more of a frustrating game. Christine St. Clair scored, I think, five minutes in for Team Canada, her 187th international goal, by the way, Uh, most in international play for any soccer player ever, men or women. So go Christine St. Clair. Um, And then Japan scored with like seven minutes left. So I was like, God damn it. Yes. Like we were so close. Um, Stephanie Labe from the goalkeeper for Team Canada went down with an injury came back into the game, saved a penalty kick that was earned on that injury, and then left the game permanently with that injury. So right. it was a bit of a roller coaster of emotions. Um, so it was it was definitely a lot for, for that early in the morning. But uh, yeah, the, the Olympic women's soccer tournament anyway got off uh, got off to a bit of a bang this morning, Matt. Well, let's start with the, the first one. Sweden over the United States. Put this in perspective for us because we know the United States team is a powerhouse in almost every women's sport. <laughs> um, but... The, the the Europeans, no slouches usually in the uh, in the world of soccer. So how much, in your opinion, of a crazy upset was this? Was this, you know, wildly unpredictable, like an all-time upset? Or is this kind of, yeah, you could see this from time to time. It's not that shocking that Sweden could do this. Put this in perspective for us. Yeah, so it's it's not overly shocking. I mean, for those of you who remember the Rio Olympics in 2016, Sweden actually beat the United States in, I believe, the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the states didn't even medal, if I'm remembering correctly. And that was, everyone remembers Hope Solo's wonderful comments afterwards that got her essentially kicked off the team, and Whoops. we haven't seen her since. Yeah. About Team Sweden, um, so so there's a bit of a rivalry who has here. Bad things to say about Sweden. That's so. <laughs> And who, a lot more people have bad things to say about Hope Solo. I'll say that much. Um, you know, Sweden's ranked fifth overall. The United States is, is ranked number one, obviously. So there's not that no. much of a discrepancy when you really think about sure. it. Um, so it again, I wasn't. I was surprised that it was three nothing. Yeah. Like you know, That's Sweden went up one nil pretty early. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, like, you know, Team USA can come back for this. Megan Rapino didn't play until much, much later in the match. I think she came in in like the 40th. It's oh, wow. definitely the second half. Yeah. I can't remember exactly when, but she came in the second half. 
I was surprised to not see her early on. Um, same with Carly Lloyd. She subbed in uh, quite late. Alex Morgan subbed out. So I don't know if they were having some lineup issues. I don't know if this was like a, uh, you know, trying to get their legs under them kind of thing, but it, it really felt like team USA was, was disjointed. They couldn't get anything going. Uh, Sweden was just all over them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it, you know, I'm, I'm not going to call it an upset by definition. It would be just sure. given that Sweden is lower ranked, but they're not that far down and, and we've seen them do this before. So it was very interesting. What about Canada versus Japan? Because we've seen Canada, you know, have some, some big games in the past, some, but often rolling in now, I wonder, and, and you saw it, so I'll, I'll defer to you on this, but when you play the host, it's often difficult but you're playing in largely empty stadiums at this point. I wonder how much that to you may have played into it, but kind of talk about the context of, of that game and just, you know, obviously when you're leading all the way through and have it, you know, kind of fall apart on you in the last seven minutes, like you discussed, hugely disappointing, but how, you know, surprising would you say this result was? And and do you think the, the empty stadium maybe took away some of that Japanese home field advantage? I think that has to be a bit of a factor. And, and you know, we all remember the Vancouver Olympics where Canada basically threw everything, including the kitchen sink, at their Olympic athletes in terms of resources yes. and said, please go make us look good. Yep. Um, you got to think, you know, the host country always does that. Of Japan's course. probably done the exact same thing right now, right? The Olympics are nothing if not a tourism commercial. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I know we can't travel right now, but right. one day we will be able to. Of and, course, and yeah. you know, Japan wants to get they want to get their money's worth. This is an expensive event and you, you got to make it look like people want to come here. Um, so there's a lot of pressure on these athletes and there's a lot of resources thrown at them. And Japan, despite being 10th, uh, overall ranked right now, they are historically a very good team on the women's soccer front. Um, they've, they've gone back and forth with team USA in the world cups. A number of times they beat team USA in a really big, uh, world cup, I believe two world cups ago, Uh, it was the 2015 world cup that they won and they, and they did beat uh, team USA for that. And it was a pretty, pretty monumental game. Was that in Canada? Was that the one we hosted? It would have been. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. We, I I remember, man, I remember that tournament. I went to uh, France versus Mexico game at TD place (laughs) during the FIFA women's world cup in, uh, in 2015. That was a lot of fun. Canada's got to do that again. Um, I believe they also won, in 2011. So yeah, they've, they've had, uh, pretty successful. Team USA, no, sorry. Team USA won in 2015, okay. <laughs> Japan won in 2011. Now okay. I'm remembering correctly, but Japan was in the final yeah. with team USA, uh, in 2011 when they were here. Cause I remember Canada won on uh, America, won on Canada's soil. And that was offensive to me. Um, <laughs> so again, this, it, it's, successful I, w- w- what really got to me about this game was, you know, Canada came out strong. Christine St. Clair scored five minutes in. Why wouldn't it be Christine St. Clair? It felt like, okay, this tournament's off to a great start already. Canada got off to a really hot start in Rio as well. So it felt like, okay, here we go. Let's go. Um, and then they just kind of sat back. Yeah. Like there was nothing in both teams really struggled in uh, the commentators brought this up a lot. They, they really struggled in the, I guess the front third. So the, basically the offensive right. zone of, uh, of, their opponent they could not get anything going in the offensive zone both teams and Canada really felt like you know they they were defending very well and they were shutting Japan down but then they'd get it to the midfield and nothing would happen so that was a little frustrating I think they do need to 
wake up and try to be more dynamic on that end of the pitch. But, uh, you know, again, it, it's a draw. It's going to happen. It's one game. Mm-hmm. It's early in the tournament. I'm not necessarily worried about it. Um, but these are the kind of matches that Canada needs to learn from because it's, you know, they've, they've got bronze medal, the last two Olympics. I think the expectation is higher now, right? right. Like we can't, it can't just be, Oh, it's great to medal. No, like they got to go for gold. That's sure. And, and as we've seen, their primary opponent for gold in team USA is vulnerable, right? Sure like, like they, they've got some, some kinks to work out here as well. Yeah. So this may be their opportunity and, and, and great Britain is really good. So I'm very nervous about that team, but there's a lot, there's a lot of opportunity here for team Canada that, uh, I think they need to capitalize on. It's a little frustrating that they got off to the slow start, but you know, I'm, I'm not overly concerned about it. So Thursday morning, um, when this show will be coming out, will you be up at four in the morning again? When is the, uh, the next big matchup that you can't be missing? So it's not every day. Thank God. I actually <laughs> added all the games to my calendar yesterday. Cause I am a loser. Um, oh, this is how, this, this is how much of a life I have, Matt. Um, Saturday morning, uh, 3.30 a.m. Oh, is God. the next game I have in my calendar. Canada versus Chile. Yeah, that's one I can't miss. Oh my God. Anything Team Canada. Like, if it was Team USA, I'd be like, okay, I'm not getting up at 3.30. <sighs> Will you go yeah. back to bed? See, this is the thing. By the time the game's over, it's, it's about your 5 o'clock, time. 6 o'clock. It's when I usually get up. Oh. Even on Saturdays. Like, I, I, I would hate to go back to bed. Um, <laughs> I, I'd probably, maybe I'd have a nap midday. Okay. Yeah, because right. it's a Saturday, so I could I could get through that. How crunchy got, does Michaela get when she's missing sleep? Like, will is this going to be an unpleasant Saturday for Josh? No, no, okay. I don't get grouchy when I'm missing sleep. I just get really quiet and tired. Okay. I right. get grouchy when I'm hungry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we all get that. That's, <laughs> that's fair enough. So as long as you keep me fed, I'm right. Good. All right. Uh, but then Monday, I've got a four fifteen. Uh, <sighs> women's basketball Canada versus Serbia game. So that's going to be early. My big problem is, Oh, Tuesday, 7am Canada versus great Britain. I can deal with that. I'm okay with that. I'll probably. Yeah. I get up around seven. I'm not talking to go. people. I don't know what but I'll have that on. That's a reasonable, yeah, that's a reasonable hour. I wouldn't get up. I'm not sure I'd get up. Uh, I was going to for a gold medal men's hockey game. I would get up at basically any time it was on a semifinal. Not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> depend <laughs> on line. the opponent. Like it would depend. I'm pretty sure they're getting by. So, and so I'm just going to sleep through this and count on it. I do remember during the Sochi Olympics, I had, um, set an alarm to get up and watch the Canadian women, um, play. It was a round Robin game still, but I had, it was some ridiculous time 4 a.m. or whatever I can't remember for sure and at the last minute as I was falling asleep I said no I got too much to do I can't get up that early and I shut the alarm off and then I was awakened loudly in my old apartment which was very small I forgot you remember those Budweiser red light horn things yes I had one of those programmed to the Canadian women and the Canadian men that I had forgotten and so as soon as Canada scored like 40 seconds into the game around my apartment I'm like, oh god and then i just kind of went back to sleep of course i scored again like three minutes like all right i'm up forget it i'll watch <laughs> like i'm awake now and annoyed and whatever but um i had tried i thought i was doing the responsible thing i was going to sleep but my beer horn decided it was waking me up at four in the morning and the last thing i needed at that point was a bud but 
and those things are nothing if not subtle. Oh, yeah. No. Right? Just like they're, they're right? it's going to wake you up. Yeah. My so I, I remember the Pyeongchang Olympics. Yeah. I think the earliest I got up, it was at a Canada versus Finland's round robin game. Like not even a yeah. big game in the sense that it's not a, a elimination game. Finland's a great team and yeah. I wanted to watch them, but this is just how stupid and obsessed I am. <laughs> um, I think it was two 40 in the oh. morning and I, I'm not staying up that late. Cause I think it was, it was a Thursday. Yes. The, so it was a Thursday. Okay. So I had to go to work that day. So theoretically the game ends around five o'clock, right? Yep. I got to get up for work anyway. There's no way I'm staying up right. to watch this. I went to bed early, set my alarm for two 30 and got up, <sighs> just loaded up the coffee, watched the game. It was a great game. Went to work, worked a full day. And then I was on the air with TSA that night doing the sense pregame show <laughs> so it was On a two fumes. hour oh yeah like two hours i think it was like five to seven i i i listed out the the like screw ups I had on, on that show because I was so sleep deprived. But <laughs> I, when I, when I promoted it on Twitter, I said I was on the air from seven to nine. Everyone's like, uh, Michaela, the game starts at seven. So that can't be the pregame show. I'm like, <laughs> that's right. Five, seven. Um, we have a seven minute pregame show. Before yeah. The puck drops. <laughs> and then I, I said on the air that Rick Nash was still with Columbus. Oh, sure. This was in 2018. Yeah, so man, that makes sense. Sure. I mispronounced Derek Waugh's name and, called him Derek Roy or I, the, I can't remember what Derek Waugh is it Derek Waugh or Derek Roy again Derek brain Roy. fart here Derek Roy, Derek Roy. okay yeah. I called him Derek Waugh I got okay. the opposite one <laughs> and then I said that Logan Paul played for the Ottawa Senators because I got uh, Logan Brown and Nick Paul oh, fused sure. together and created a horrible YouTube star <laughs> so that was who we're still know. hearing about doing his celebrity yeah, boxing garbage, whatever it's your fault I want to ask yep. the listener to let us know at Tall Can Audio, at Shrides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S, where's the cutoff line for something like this? For your something you absolutely do care about, if the game is at midnight, would you stay up and watch knowing that it's going to be another two hours? If the game's at two, would you stay up and watch or would you go to bed early and get up and go back to bed? I'd like to know how other people handle these sorts of events, right? Is there a cutoff zone where it's the other side of the world? There's just a time that I can't do at all. If it's between one and four or whatever, I'm not getting up. I'm not staying up. It's that's just my blackout zone. I'd be curious to hear how other people come down on this. Anything for me, 5 a.m. or later, if I really care, I'll get up any earlier. I'm probably out. I'm probably yeah. not doing anything earlier than that. But a game that starts at one o'clock that I really care about, 1 a.m., I'll probably stay up. I'll just, you know, I'm a bit of a night hawk anyway. That game's probably going to now take till three in the morning, 3.30. I'll make that happen. But I'm not starting something at two or three or four in the morning. I, I, I'd i be curious to hear what the good listener says about their kind of, I'll stay up for that. I'd get up for that. That's a blackout zone. I, I just, I'm, I'm curious how people are going to take these games in. Yeah, because everyone has a line, yeah. right? And everyone has a threshold. So you, you're right. I'm, I'm very curious to find out, excuse me, what the listener's threshold is. Because I have a little bit of a dilemma mm. in that Team USA in basketball, most of their games are at 1240 a.m. So right. that is both too late and too early for me. Right. Yeah. See, that's I, what I mean, right? There's a blackout zone there. I don't know what. And uh, so the, the 27th, the same day that Canada plays Great Britain at 7 a.m. in women's soccer, that earlier that night. Right. 
Team USA plays Nigeria in basketball. As I mentioned, it's Sue Bird's last Olympics. I don't want to miss a minute of this, but I have to be up early to watch soccer anyway. I don't know how to go about this. So well, I'm, and like, your I'm, big I'm, problem there, like in theory, you could PVR that game and just watch it when you get up. But if you now watch the soccer game first, right when you or was it a basketball game that Canada was playing? I can't remember what the one soccer. Were, uh, soccer. soccer. Okay, you may unfortunately coming back from commercial get the update or. Yep whatever that that spoils the basketball game. So like to me it's no problem to PVR an overnight event and have it be the first thing you watch when you get up and and just, you know, check it out in the morning. But if you're going to sit through something else first, now you run the risk of the spoiler, right? So you're in a tough spot. What I think I might do for that day cuz like 7 a.m. is midday for me, right? <laughs> um I'll probably it's just, just such get a up. gross sentence. I, I know. Even. I hate myself. Um <laughs> I'll probably just get up at five, watch the repeat of Team USA versus Nigeria okay, in yeah. basketball, and then watch. So like that's that's that what I'm thinking first. I might have to do for Team USA basketball games because yeah. they're all at twelve forty. And again, like I'm not staying up that late, nor am I getting up that early. I could theoretically get up in the middle of the night, go back to bed. I don't know if when my alarm goes off, I'm going to be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I am surprised that that's where those games are falling. Um, normally, NBC you know, being one of the bigger broadcasts carrying the games can flex a little. We want that game, if we can get it at, you know, 11 p.m. Now I know then the time difference, that that puts you at about noon in Tokyo. You could do that. Or we want it at 7 or 8 a.m., right? You want to capture that East Coast, North American time zone. I'm surprised they didn't. Now NBC does have kind of a rotten history of not doing things live anyway, right? And just throwing them in a bubble later on in the evening, which is crap. But I am surprised that they're all kind of in that middle, you know, gray area. Now, I guess 940 on the West Coast, you know, LA and, you know, California could be watching it starting at 940 PM. That's not terrible over there, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of rotten for... uh, for the East Coast, and normally they they flex hard to get the big events into a more watchable time. Well, I tweeted this today. Like this may be the one time that being on the East Coast has benefited me because the poor people on the West Coast this morning, like where I was up at four thirty to watch Team USA. If you lived in California, one thirty. That's one thirty in the morning. Like yeah. no, thank you. I think that's my. You know, we talked earlier. My black at one a.m. If something I really care about, I'll probably do it. 1.30, you're creeping into my, uh, I don't think. Because like, at some point, you have to draw a line, right? There can't be, because then why not two? And then why not three? Yeah. And you're like, all right, like this is getting stupid. I think 1 a.m. would be my drop dead thing on a, a start time. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm going to have to figure this out. It's going to be You'll an interesting in couple of weeks. For five hours at that point, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep you posted a couple little texts throughout the night or whatever. Well, and there's, there's a few late games. That's what I'm really stressed about. There's a couple like 10 p.m., 11 p.m. games, I think, as we get into the elimination rounds, which is where you really want to watch. Yeah. So I'm going to be, I don't know, it's going to be difficult. In in Pyeongchang, the gold medal game for the women's hockey was at 11, and that game damn near killed me. So I remember I'm, that. That was perfect for me. Like that, I mean, perfect as Korea is going to get, right, in terms of yeah. I was fine well, with that. It's, it's very similar to this, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't know if Japan and Korea are in the same time zone, it's but close, they're not, though. Yeah. they're not, cl- yeah, they're not far from each other. So they're, you know, maybe an hour off. So we're, we're dealing with very similar window here well i I, Um, you know we've referenced a couple times there our friend amy on the paralympics her first game is a friday night at 9 p.m 
cool, right? Like yeah. here, right? Like I'll have a couple of beers and and watch like any other sporting event and uh and and check that out, but as as things creep along into the middle of the night, you're going to lose me a little bit. So, but Friday at 9 p.m., no problem. Yeah, I wish I was normal. <laughs> There's I a really sentence do. we've all uttered a time or two. Yeah. Um Something we said we weren't going to talk about, yeah. but I feel like we have to because today basically ruined everything. Yep. Um, the expansion draft. We record this. It is Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. The expansion draft takes place tonight. So we agreed, okay, let's not talk about it because whatever we say is going to be irrelevant. Yeah. And then basically every pick for the Seattle Kraken was leaked at some point today. Mm-hmm. So we pretty much know how this is all going to unfold. I refuse to acknowledge a pick unless it is uh, read by Sue Bird. So I am ignoring every single thing that I've seen. So you're going to watch like the one pick that she may make or the two picks, but the other, like, I don't acknowledge this. This isn't real. More Sue Bird. Yep. hundred percent. She should be, she should be making every pick. I'll accept the other ones, but until Sue Bird reads a pick, I don't think any picks have happened. That is just the way I'm going. Um, But like, there's a lot of discussion around like, so ESPN gets the, this is their first big NHL broadcasting event after getting the rights. And now it's been completely ruined because pretty much every pick is already known. So there's a lot of like, uh, who did this? And you've basically ruined the entire broadcast. So ESPN is going to be a little peeved at this point. It's sort of like uh, every NBA draft, right? Adrian Wojnarowski, He's just tweeting out the like before every pick. He's like, ah, and he, I guess he took shit at some point from ESPN for like ruining their draft show every year. And so he's not allowed to just tweet, you know, LA is taking whatever. So you see him doing these like gymnastics on Twitter every year. We're like, I'm hearing that Portland will not pass on Duke's, you know, point guard, such and such. He's kind of dancing or he's still telling everyone exactly what's happening. But he's sort of, I guess, trying to keep this technicality of not completely spoiling it. I don't know what the deal is there. But this is very similar. Like you said, it seemed to be mostly Frank Saravalli. And I wonder, you know, he's working for this new outfit. I don't know too much about them called the Daily Faceoff, um, you know, since leaving TSN. And um, I think he was also doing some work in Philadelphia. So I'm not, I don't know too much about them. But what I do know is they don't have any of these broadcast deals like Sportsnet does, like ESPN does, like TSN does. And so you kind of have this like, I don't give a fuck. Like I, I, if I have the info, I'm just going to put it out there. And and you did see some of the TSN and Sportsnet guys doing some of this and retweeting some stuff, but not nearly as much as what Frank Saravalli was doing. And he was taking some shit online. Like he was, people were mad. You're ruining the show and you're spoiling it. And, you know, I, I have a little bit of time for that, but at the same time, if the NHL is going to say to Seattle, you need to submit your picks to us at 10 a.m., and then we'll get around to broadcasting it at 8 p.m., it's a pretty big window with how connected everything is right now and how many leaks and sources there are all around the league. It's an awfully long time to ask that this not get out when they could have very easily, you know, we've all watched the NHL draft enough times to know, or the draft lottery where Gary goes into like a secret room and there's no phones allowed or whatever happens there, but like five minutes before it goes on television and you know, it, it all gets done. We check, we make sure everything's legit and then they come out and announce it. You could have done this there. Say that at seven fifty, your picks are due into the league. And then even if some of it somehow gets out, you know, people won't have had as much time 
to be on Twitter and, and getting, you know, it spoiled for them. Or you would just close Twitter for the, those 10 minutes as opposed to having to close it all day. Like this to me, instead of everybody being mad at the reporter for this getting out, seems like a pretty avoidable situation that if the league had just been a little smarter, I, I don't know what your take is on this, but I, I, I found the venom being directed at Frank Saravalli to be a little weird today. <laughs> Yeah, I don't get that either. Why are you getting mad at a reporter for doing their job? If, if something's given to you, you're <laughs> yes. going to report it. That is literally the definition of your job. Yes. This is no one, none of the reporters are to blame for this. They're mm -hmm. only doing what they're paid for. I think who who's to blame is whoever the source is, right? And I know there's, it's such a connected space and, you know, the mm -hmm. lines of journalism are toyed with every day in sure. hockey, yes. but it, whether it's someone in Seattle, someone in the NHL, who knows? Whoever's leaking this, the NHL themselves should have locked this down. Ian Mendez tweeted something earlier today saying, like, I don't recall this happening with Vegas. No. And I don't there remember There was a couple leaks, but, like, we all knew Marc-Andre Fleury was going, right? Because they'd had yeah. to work out a trade and whatever. But the whole roster wasn't out there, like... No, like, they managed to lock that down. Why couldn't they lock this down? And And... You know, the NHL is just shooting itself in the foot because, again, you've got ESPN, the mm -hmm. biggest sports broadcaster in the world, basically, finally gives you money to to broadcast yeah. your product. And the first product you're giving them is ruined. <laughs> like, again, the the NHL can't get out of its own way sometimes. Well, and I, this is a prime example of that. Do you have a better idea than me? Like, I don't know how exactly this works when they put in their picks at 10 a.m. this morning um, to the league. And that's when this all started. It's like when they faxed the, the list to the NHL of the guys they were picking, they faxed it directly to Frank Cervalli as well as what it kind of seemed like. Did they, to your knowledge, like once those went into the league, were the teams all informed? Here's how you're losing because that would, you know, immediately increase the number of leaks, right? Does he now have a source inside the Leafs and inside the Bruins and inside? Now you've got assistant GMs and secretaries in the league offices where words trickling out, oh, we're losing Jared McCann or, oh, we're losing, you know, uh, Jeremy Lozon or whoever it might be. It immediately increases the number of uh, leaks from all these offices. Mm -hmm. Or do you think it's someone inside the Seattle office or the NHL office? Like, I, I don't really know when the teams were to find out who they were losing? Well, that's a good question. I would hope that, like, you don't need to tell the teams who they're losing. They yeah. they have time to figure this out. We don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of backdoor stuff that goes on. Always. Um, with the actual entry draft. But no, a lot of those players don't know they're getting drafted until no. the moment it happens, no, right? So why do the, why do, NHL players need any other special treatment. They can right. figure out their flight details and like they've got all the summer teams, to do this. Right? Like the yeah, Leafs, the team you chose to stuff. leave these guys unprotected. You'll find Assume out. you're going to leave one of them. Yeah. Like, you'll find out at eight o'clock when everybody else finds out which one of them's going. And if that, like if, if they did inform the teams in advance and I have to think that, and again, I'm just guessing, I'm just speculating, but like, it wasn't just Frank Saravalli. Nope. Um, Elliot Friedman had a few. I think Darren Dreger had a few. Like there were Pierre multiple Lebrun was people. On it. Pierre Lebrun. So if it was just Frank Saravalli, I would say, yeah, it's probably someone in Seattle yeah, trying to build a relationship yeah, with exactly. him and, and just feeding them stuff. And that is like, I could even see doing a, like if it was one person yeah. leaking it all, yeah, sprinkle like two or three out there, get some interest, sure. right? Not the entire freaking draft. 
and yeah. because it was multiple reporters, I think you're right in that they probably informed all the teams and I then their so. respective sources went, yes. hey, hey, guy, look what I, I got. I think so, too. That's what I think. Is <laughs> I think this was sent out to 31 other general managers or maybe 30 because Vegas didn't have to uh, free anybody up. But it just it felt like, you know, at 10 a.m. we were sort of guessing, although I think it was before 10 a.m. that Friedman had that Carey Price wasn't going um, to and Seattle. That's such a disappointment. I wanted that chaos. to happen so I bad. I wanted maximum chaos. chaos. Exactly. Um, but at like 10.02, Sarah Valley's got one. At like 10.04, LeBron's got one. At like 10.00, like it took no time at all for this to start trickling out. It, it was sort of like everybody's in their front office and I don't know, just for example, like Pierre Dorian yells out the door to whoever. Yeah, they're taking, I don't even remember who, uh, one of your young goalies. Joey Decord. Joey Decord. You know, ah, they're taking Decord. Well, you know, nine people within, not nine people, the senators don't employ nine people in their front <laughs> office, but, you know, whoever. It just, it kind of gets around the office. Yeah, that's who they took from us. Any one of them now tweets their source, Bruce Garriott or whoever was Pierre Lebrun or somebody. And now that one's out there, right? And if that happens across 30 different cities, it doesn't take long. So I, I wonder, I just think personally, just do it live. And the thing that happens when you do that is you take away, you know, one of the ways there were a couple of leagues before Vegas is because they wanted a couple of the players to be there. And so you have to let some of them know so that they can fly in and be part of the announcement. And that's where things trickle out a little. And so if you do it live, you lose that, right? You don't get to have players in the house and, and be part of that excitement. And so I kind of get that, but you could, if you wanted to, you could have cut all of this out and just said, your picks are due at 7.50 PM. We're going live on ESPN at 8 PM. You know, everybody yeah. finds out then. I think this was a completely avoidable problem. Exactly. And, and I feel like the blame is sitting somewhere in the NHL, yep. right? Like Seattle, I don't think had as much control over this. The NHL is obviously dictating the schedule and yeah, how everything no, goes. Course. And and again, it be like weird if Gary was the mole, like Gary starts <laughs> tweeting or texting Pierre LeBron. It's uh, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. I kind of like that idea that he's just this little troll in his office. It's ruining his <laughs> own. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One spoiled draft. Ah, uh, ah, ah, ah. It's just uh, like. And, and again, I get that you got to have players there. So like something's going to leak. A yep. couple players are going to leak. And I think that in, entices it a little bit. Like imagine the leak is like the player posts on social that they're on their way to Seattle. Yeah. Like what a great way to break that news. Yeah. Kerfoot's at Pearson International or whatever's yeah. going on there. Jared McCann, I guess, turned out to be. But actually, if I was like, I would have coordinated something with my team. All of the Calgary Flames who were left unprotected should have sent out like Instagram posts from previous pictures they had taken at Calgary International Airport yes. or something like that. <laughs> Just put Is it me? Is it you? Fear. <laughs> yes, exactly. In, and I, so let's talk about Toronto because I know you wanted to talk about what they did and the rage that Leaf fans were feeling today. <sighs> it's more about the reaction online and you can disagree. I didn't really like what Toronto did. I said that on the uh, the Monday morning show with Rob. I didn't like the 4-4-1 four, four, and one thing and and – I think you could have gone seven, three and one protected McCann protected Kerfoot and that's forced Seattle to choose between either Dermot or Justin Hall and just lived with it. And that's probably what I would have done. Um, but I think there's a pile of not understanding how this is all connected and 
the Leafs over the weekend went out and got Jared McCann, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, cool, we got Jared McCann. He was always insurance, right? He was Mm -hmm. always supposed to be, even if they take Kerfoot, we'll have McCann to take his spot. He's a comparable player. He's a little younger, a little cheaper. But I think they knew if we go get McCann, they're going to take McCann instead of Kerfoot, and we can keep our team together that way. Um, you get a little bit, uh, I should say John Steitzer, who writes for the, uh, the leafsnation.com. I don't read that site very often, but I do follow a couple of their guys on Twitter. He put it perfectly. He said, this is like when you take your five-year-old kid to get a birthday gift for his five-year-old friend, you know, before the, the birthday party. And that kid now sees this awesome toy that was never meant to be for him. And all the way home, he's crying and acting like a little jackass because he didn't get a toy and he's going to watch, you just watched buy a toy for his friend. That's what this was. They went and got Jared McCann so that they wouldn't take any of the actual Leafs. This was a gift for the Kraken, not for the Leafs. And now Leaf fans are, but I wanted McCann. I wanted Jared McCann too. But this was never on the table, right? You went and created something knowing they were probably going to take that instead of one of your guys. You need to think of it like he was never yours. He was never really here. Um, and and we can argue all day over the 7-3-1 and one versus the 4-4-1. Four, four and one, and, and I like I said, I disagreed with that. But once they decided they were doing 4-4-1, four, four and one, this was the trade-off. You go get a piece to make sure they don't take the thing that you never wanted them to take, right? And to just watch this, Kyle's blowing it, and I can't believe he didn't, he knew. He knew what he was doing. This is why he did it, and you can disagree with him, but the talk that he is an idiot, like that he went and got Jared McCann, and now they just took him, and you lost him for nothing, you're so stupid. You didn't lose him for nothing. You lost him so you wouldn't lose an actual piece of your team, right? And that's the part that too many people seem to be not grasping. If Am I making sense? Yep. No, no, no. Absolutely. And I think the issue is, you know, in, in this day and age of weird moves that happen because it of either the salary sick. cap yeah. or or the expansion draft, like it gets really hard for casual fans or new fans to understand what's going on. If you're a casual fan or maybe a new fan to the Leafs and you don't know, if you're a new fan to the Leafs and you can still get out of this, you should do it for your own mental health. You should go now, now, pick anyone, pick Seattle. You'll, you'll be fine. You're good, but don't do this to yourself. But like, you know, you see the, acquisition of Jared McCann and you go, Oh, cool. Young player like that. They need a little bit of change in the depth area. This could be exactly that. And then if you don't like, I think a lot of Leafs fans, at least that I was hearing from were saying, okay, this is obviously someone who they can just expose in the draft. Right. Um, You know, the shiny object that they can distract Seattle with. (laughs) And, I just don't think that that everyone understands that. and I'm not I'm not, I'm not blaming them because I think oh, this I is am. one of those things that like ex- <laughs> explain this to a new fan. You know, you're right. But the people on right? hockey like, this Twitter is why the are NHL really is so difficult to get into. You no, know, you're right about that. You're right about that. And and I I sympathize with those fans because like I was once one of them of where like I used to think I remember when I was in high school, every time the Sens made like a trade deadline acquisition, I thought, oh, this player's going to be with us forever. And then they would walk for nothing in the summer. And I'm like, wait, I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) Why did we do this? The idea of a rental, right? And no, you're right. And you just get them for a little while. And 
off they go. And it, it does take some, some getting used to. And, and I think part of it, and, and John Steitzer said this as well, but it was something I was kind of going off on on Twitter a little bit, was the Leafs fan base is mad right now. They're still, they're still a little hurt, still a little cranky from what happened back in May or June or whenever the hell we got punted. May, we don't get to play in June. Uh, I think if I remember correctly, Game 7 was May 31st, just to make sure it was as painful as possible that we still haven't played a June hockey game. Um, the Leafs management right now, I have no real problem with the fact that they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. People are upset. And so when you see something like this, you just, you're going to lash out again. But I do think at least in a certain percentage of this, there's a bit of a lack of understanding of what this move was. And if you just want to yell at Kyle and you just want to yell at the Leafs, fine, have at it. But you're not looking at it rationally if you think they didn't see this coming. This was the plan to either lose Kerfoot and have McCann to replace him or to lose McCann and keep Kerfoot. They were making sure they were maintaining at least the depth they have right now instead of losing depth, which every team was going to do. You paid. Uh, the word going around was to get Seattle not to take somebody was going to cost you probably a first and a third. Like they were being really, really greedy. And so instead of giving up a first and a third, you gave up Philip Hollander, who was looking like probably a bottom six possibility for the Leafs. This year, he was a first-round pick of Pittsburgh's a couple years ago. And a seventh-round pick. You paid that to to, uh, to Pittsburgh, excuse me, instead of paying a first and a third to Seattle. That's all that happened here. Seattle's price was too high to not have them take one of the guys you didn't want them to take. So you pay the Hollander and a seventh and go there. Now I'm protected. Take whoever you want. I'm still going to... Instead of taking a step back, I'm holding my position is essentially what happened. And in that regard, it's a reasonably smart move. I, I still didn't like the configuration of the 4-4-1. Four, four I think Justin Hall is replaceable. I think Kyle overvalues him a little bit. I don't dislike mm -hmm. Justin Hall, right? There's nothing wrong with him, but I'm not sure he's as great as Kyle thinks he is. So we can argue all day about that part. But this move was about holding your ground instead of losing ground. And every team is supposed to lose ground. Seattle takes somebody from everybody. So instead of losing one of your guys, you went and got somebody and said, here, take this one. And they went, okay, and took that one. That's how this planned out. I do think that one move that Leaf fans have a right to at least question is protecting Justin Hall. And that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't have done the four foot. I would have done seven, three, and one and said, here, Justin Hall or Travis Dermott, those are your options. And just yeah. lived with it. And right. and again, this comes down to Kyle Dubas liking his guys. Yes. He does. Right. And he has been guilty of that in the past. Yep. And and this is definitely one of those examples. So the other thing um, that we I should say that we don't know on this pick and on a lot of picks until the broadcast goes down is are there other side deals, right? We don't know about any trades. And there are some reports that maybe a few of those have gone down and there's more to some of these picks than just what Frank Saravalli or some of the other reporters have, you know, we're taking Jared McCann and something and trading you something else that we claimed from somebody else, right? Now, maybe it's not the Leafs. Maybe it's one of the other guys that 
that is one thing that will still make this at least somewhat interesting to watch, right? Is that there are some side deals, there are some little trades that we don't yet know about. And even beyond today, we don't know what Kyle's plan is, right? We know as, as it pertains to the Leafs, he knows he needs to get better. He knows the bottom six needs improvement. He knows you need a couple of left wingers. Is there another move to come as part of this with the expansion draft? Is there something else that he's waiting to do? Okay, now I can trade for my goalie, you know, tomorrow because the expansion thing is off our, you don't trade for a good goalie and then have to give him up immediately, right? When you, um, to the Kraken, you don't do anything like that before expansion. So the Leafs right now don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. I'm fine with fans being mad, right? But you also wouldn't have gone and made any of your big moves that Kyle knows he needs to make before the expansion draft. You were hand, your hands were tied, as were every team's hands tied up until this point. You know, you can be mad at him, but you're nuts if you think he didn't think this was going to come and that he thinks he can just stand pat from here on out. Yeah, yeah. This is just the beginning of the off season for, for the everybody. Leafs, really, yeah. Yeah. Um, another reason to watch is obviously Subert. Of course, that's so, why I'm uh, watching. <laughs> are, any, are there any other? I, I think it's kind of neat that Seattle has gone out some of the and found some celebrities with, uh, you know, some ties to the Pacific Northwest. I think that's kind of a neat idea. We saw one of the videos that got Leaf fans all fired up. You know, it was like a fish catching thing that they were like. I, I like these kind of themed. Things I, I think Marshawn Lynch is going to be one of those. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. Um, there's a couple others. Like, would you rather just? To me, this is one of those things where the NHL should try and do more stuff like this. Do you do you like the idea that they're going to try and tie in some celebs, or would you rather just seen them pounded out in a traditional hockey sense? What do you, you know, oh, what do you I think of it. the celebs? Yeah, I love it. I think that again, like these are some of the new and different things that the NHL needs to do to. You know, some some dude standing up there and going with this pick, the yes. Seattle Krakens. Like, like, okay, we've seen that a million times. No you one might cares as well have just that. let Frank Saravalli tweet it. <laughs> well, exactly. And and this is this is really this is aimed at Seattle fans. This is not aimed at us. It's right. cool because you know it's it's another reason why general fans are going to watch. Yeah. But if you're just a Seattleite and you are borderline into hockey or maybe not into hockey at all, there's a reason for you to watch. Maybe Bird, you love Super like me. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. It's, I think it's a great Make idea. Make some of your picks for you. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I did want to bring up uh, mm-hmm. was shout out to Luke Prokop, yes. who this week became the first active NHL player under contract mm-hmm. uh, to come out publicly as gay. And, you know, we saw this earlier in the season and earlier in this year with um, his name is escaping me Carl now. Nassib. Yes. Uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders, not Oakland Raiders, as I've <laughs> previously said, uh, you know, we're seeing a slight uptick. I know two is not that many, but still like more this, than we, had. we don't exactly. We don't see this in the NHL a lot. The support that he got was wonderful to mm-hmm. see on Twitter, um, you know. I don't really, the one thing that really drove me nuts was Gary Bettman released a statement like a few oh, minutes after this came I out. I didn't even see that. Of all the people who's, no whose thoughts you, you. Th- you care about with this, no. first of all, Luke Prokop is the only one that matters, yep. right? Like the, on, the only person whose opinion and thoughts you should care about is Luke Prokop because he's yep. the one doing this. Um, but of all the people 
Gary Bettman is the like farthest down on that list in terms of people the hockey world cares about. It's nice that he did it. I get that a lot of people would have been like, where's Gary Bettman? Yeah, and how, how come they're not releasing the support? Yeah. I get that. But, you know, he could have waited a little bit longer because I just didn't care about what he, what he no, thought. It's true. But it was a wonderful thing to see. And, and the support that Luke got from this was awesome. And, and you know, if this helps even one person um, come out publicly or or just accept who they are yeah. and, and be more comfortable with who they are, this is exactly why things like this matters. To the people who respond with who cares, that's why. Because there's, there's a lot of people who are treated very poorly and and who are scared to come out and be who they are because of the way that hockey culture would treat them. Right. Think of the number of times that homophobic slurs are just casually used in hockey. This matters a lot, especially in a sport like hockey. So it was wonderful to see the, uh, the balls on a kid at 19 years old to take this on. Haven't played a game in the league yet. And to go, no, fuck this. I'm not, I'm done pretending who I am. I'm going to make it or not make it based on me and my performance on the ice. I'm going to just stand up and tell you this is who I am. Incredible. Because I, I said this, this came up with uh, with Amy on the last show. At 19, the last thing in the world I wanted was more attention, right? More yeah. people. I'm still trying to figure out my own shit. I don't need more people looking at me. I don't need to be a leader. I don't need to be anything like that. Just let me sort through my own what and to stand up and go, no, this is who I am. I'm going to live who I am. And that's great if other people can take inspiration from it. Um, It's great if other people, you know, feel like it's created a path for them. He said some really good things in his statement and in some of the interviews that he obviously has done subsequently. I just can't imagine at that age volunteering to be the first player you know, as you said, to actively, um, you know, play in the NHL and, and be openly gay and to take that on at that age. I just, I can't imagine it's, it's incredible courage and, uh, good for him. Yeah. Especially when you consider like, it's one thing to do that, right. Coming out is an incredibly, um, it can be a scary thing for a lot of people, right? No, no matter what field you're in, no matter how much of a public Mm -hmm. figure you are coming out is a very, very personal experience. And when no one else in your field has done it and you are in a field that is as historically homophobic as hockey. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, the pressure that's on you there. Right. And and, and you're right. This is the bravest 19 year old. I think (laughs) I've ever seen because at 19, I certainly didn't have the brains or the, 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 courage to do everything that. about me at 19 was don't look at me like i'm still yeah. just trying to work this out for myself i don't need more people watching me do it i can't imagine um and good for him the the strength of courage that it, it would have taken or the strength of character um is incredible just go i this is who i am. and this is the way it should be right no this is who i am i i don't care what that means to anybody else i don't care you know, if you like it, if you don't like it, he clearly does hope that it's going to do some positive things for other people and maybe, you know, carve out a path or make it easier for somebody else and, and good on him. But deep down at the heart of it is I'm not doing this for the next, you know, hopefully he has a long, productive NHL career. I'm not going to pretend to be somebody else through the whole thing. And good on him for that. Like, that's incredible. And I I think this will always be... 
I hope we see more of it. Mm. I hope we see more players who are gay f- feel comfortable enough to come out and and be who they are. They don't have to. They're, they're not well, under under pressure. That's it's absolutely their choice. But it will always be worth noting. It, I, I don't care how many players come out. It, it is always worth noting when someone is just openly who they are. Yeah. And 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 it, it no matter what, someone is reading that and feeling more comfortable with themselves. Right. And and maybe okay. it saves someone's life. It. Yep. He made right? it. He's willing to talk about it. Maybe I can make it. Maybe I'm willing to talk about it. Right. Like exactly. It, it, and, and, if it provided you know, a moment of comfort to anybody, then it's a well worthwhile endeavor. Exactly. And and I hope we get to the point where it becomes more common because mm-hmm. statistically, like there is probably not just one gay player in the no. NHL, right? No. Like that was one of and, the things and, that Amy and I laughed at was you're out of your mind if you think there isn't currently other gay NHL players if there haven't been hundreds of them over the years they've just chosen not to be open about it and and some of that is for you know fear reasons will I be accepted can I do it some of it is I I don't want it to rock the boat and be a distraction for my team some of it is just uh, it's my love life I'm a personal person or you know whatever I don't want to put it out there there's been a hundred different reasons for that but this is absolutely not the first gay player to play in the NHL. This is the first openly gay player to be Mm -hmm. under contract in the NHL. And that's an important distinction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Same with the NFL. Of course. Right. And we've seen a lot of players come out after they play. Yes. Right. I think that speaks a lot to the culture that's created in dressing rooms and and various sports about how comfortable they feel. So I, I think it's important that, we see more of it again when people feel comfortable enough to do it. Um, but I, I hope we continue to see it and it will always be noteworthy in my opinion. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's all I really have to say. It's just, it's, it's nice to see it warmed my freaking heart. Um, right. And I don't say that a lot about things that happen in the <laughs> no. NHL. So that was really nice. Completely um, agree. I think that's a good positive place to, to wrap up the show. Wouldn't you agree, Matt? Summer solstice treat you well? Oh, always. I love this beer. The problem with this beer is it goes down a little too smooth. Yeah, exactly. It's, like I said, not high in alcohol percentage, so that's good. But, like, you know, you have one and then you want another. Yeah. (laughs) You can't just have one. It's like Lay's chips. Come on now. Right. Uh, How was was yours? Pretty good. I I enjoyed this. I thought off the first couple sips. I'm like, I don't know if this is really for me. But it kind of grew on me as we went. So uh, I like this one. It was an 8%. Uh, like I said, new ritual brewery out of uh, out of the Schwa City. Uh, people can check that out. Um, yeah, be careful when you're in certain parts of Oshawa. But uh, <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is nice. It's don't die here, which... Maybe that's where it comes from. You hang around maybe, the south yeah, end maybe Oshawa. they're warning people. <laughs> well, but, you know, come to Oshawa, but at your own risk. And leave quickly afterwards. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Stay out of the south end. So this is good. The, the Don't Die Here uh, Imperial IPA from uh, New Ritual Brewery at Oshawa. So good stuff. There you go. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at TallCanAudio, Facebook.com slash TallCanAudio. You can find me on Twitter at Shrides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S, and on Instagram at Crafted in the Capital. We will see you next time on Tall Can Audio. Schwalewood. Did you see that? Yep. There's an hour you're never getting back. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Nobody.
Ah, okay. I'm going to call that a wrap. You can find tons more TCA at tallcanaudio.com. Ba-dum-bum.